So good morning, Southridge. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Doing well this morning? How are you doing? Good, good. Some of you are thinking, you're saying good, but you're thinking well, the next thing you say is busy, right? Because that's all we say, right? We always say, good, good. How are you doing? Yeah, well, busy. Everybody says it. Everybody I think I've ever talked to always says busy. Maybe that's you this morning. You know what? There's, there's two types of, there's two problems that we have, um, two types of, of problems we have when we, we experience busyness. There's two things. First is easiest. I think it's the easiest one to pick out the, uh, the, just the ongoing schedule of busyness. It's easy to say, okay, physically I'm busy. I got to be places. I got to do things. And, and it's easiest to pick that out because, hey, we've, that's what we're thinking when we, see, when we say busy, isn't it? See, as consumers, we tend to cram as much good things into our lives as possible. Sometimes more than we can handle. And it's very limited and precious time that we have. Isn't it? It's easy to, spec- to pick on physical like schedules when it's in reference to spending time with God. We say, oh, well, we're busy. And so um, maybe there isn't that time for God that we would like. Some of you may even think, you say, okay, how is it literally or logically possible for me in my schedule to take some time away to spend with God? Or for some of you who already do spend time with God, maybe you're thinking, how is it even possible for me to add more time, somehow find the time to spend with God? But that's only one problem. That's only one problem we have with busyness. The other problem actually is uh, an inward problem. And maybe you've experienced this, something similar to this, that uh, my household experienced about six weeks ago. So I'll paint the picture of the story so you get an, get an idea of what was going on at the time. New Year's Eve, about six o'clock, we're sitting around the table in the dining room with family and an extended family, and it's all cozy because the snow, of course we know the snow, is just coming down and it was quite wet and lots of sideways snow. And snow was coming down and everything was really nice and we're thinking about the new year. And, and at about six o'clock, just after six o'clock, we noticed something. Very unusual about our ceiling. Our ceiling started to bubble just a little bit. And we thought, oh, that's interesting. I've never noticed that before. Well, like, okay, and then it started growing. And, the, and within a minute, it started like just, you know, 60 seconds later, it's kind of growing. We're like, all right, what is this? So Christy, my wife, comes over to it and she gets on a stool and she pokes at it. And then all we see is drip, 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 drip. And we're thinking, oh, man. What is going on? And our our first thing I thought was happy 2017 for one, because that's just wonderful that we're having to do with something in our roof or our ceiling. And we're trying to figure it out. I don't know if you know our complex we live in in Murrayville. It has this kind of layered thing. So it's not like it's straight up like a BC box. You don't know exactly where upstairs is in in relation to downstairs and that sort of thing. It's kind of funny, like that's a weird spot for this to happen. So we're thinking, okay, so where is that? And we're looking at the angles and thinking, okay, this is like underneath our bedroom ensuite. So that's all, all of a sudden these ideas come into my mind of like, oh, is it a plumbing thing? Is it, is it like, does someone overflow a toilet? And we're like counting heads and like, no, everyone's downstairs. And, and like, okay, like what, what is this? 
And so all this restlessness and all this, this, this um, non-peace was in my, my head. And I'm trying to think through, like, how do we, like, what do we do? And it's New Year's Eve, and who do we call? And, and then tomorrow's New Year's Day, and no one's working. And anyways, regardless, we phoned the restoration company and the insurance company, and they came in that day. And then over the next few weeks, we're still not sure, we were still not sure what was going on. We're like, this is so weird. It was just a random thing, but like, what is it? And trying to figure and eliminating all these things. And, and it was really tough because they're telling us stuff like, hey, you know what? Your deductible is this much, but if it's not covered, it's going to be thousands of dollars. And we're thinking, no, no, this is not possible. All of our bank account, all these thoughts of my bank account being drained and then thinking like, oh no, what's going to happen to Lindy's? Are we going to be thrown on the street? And, and like, I don't know what's going on. Like, like this is just this, all this restlessness in my mind. Well, it took a whole like five, six weeks before we actually found an answer. And they just kind of concluded that it must have been the roof. And so the good thing is, is that it they didn't put an insurance claim on it. The ins- this, we were part of Strata, so they didn't do it, and we didn't do that. So we didn't have to pay a deductible. The Strata just said, it will just pay it outright, and you don't have to pay anything. I was like, wow, that's amazing. But then, you know what? That was a lot of time where I was restless. And I was just like concerned and thinking every single day, and there's a hole in my roof and, or my ceiling, and I'm trying to f- figure out life. And that was, that was this past little bit of 2017 for my house. All this restlessness, though, was for nothing. <laughs> like, I didn't have to worry. You know, in the end, it all worked out. But in that time, you know, you know that feeling. You're, you're restless. Maybe you've never felt restlessness before. Is that possible? No? <laughs> if you never worried about anything ever? Yeah, I'm sure you have, like me. That was just the most recent thing. But you know, this mind restlessness that I'm talking about, we talked about the schedules, um, but the mind restlessness that we're talking about manifests itself in a lot of different ways. And I'm going to poke at a few of you, not any names, don't worry. But some of you that I've heard over the years, people here and people around, they're like, you know, these are the things that I think about and that kind of keep me restless. So some of you uh, hate talking on the phone. You're like, just text me, please. I do not want to talk on the phone. I don't want to leave a message. I don't, and you just feel, you feel that. So some of you that feel that, you're like you're drudging up this feeling of, yeah, that feeling of restlessness because you don't like talking on the phone. Or having a fear of insects. And you know that, that spider that you're like, oh, I wish someone else was here that they can deal with it. And there's just this anxiousness and restlessness just trying to think about how I'm going to kill this thing. Um, or, or, or some of you, I, I don't understand this one because I hit the pillow and I crash. I'm done for the night. But some of you, you just sit and you lie awake in bed and you're just thinking and thinking and thinking. And it's just this restlessness of like, oh, I just wish I could sleep right now, but I can't sleep. And you wish that you could. Or the very logical explanation for some of you who have journeyed across a suspension bridge and felt like, is this going to hold me? When you know full well that on the sign beside it, it says, it does hold 96 full-grown elephants, or a can, so it'll be fine if there's a whole bunch of people on the suspension bridge. Maybe that's you. Maybe you have a fear of, of that sort of thing. Or that awkward feeling when you want, need to tell someone something, and you don't really want to tell it to them because you know that they're wrong. <laughs> you're like, you're not wanting to have that conversation, and your stomach is just in knots because you're like, oh, I don't really want to do this. 
or maybe you like that sort of thing, which is very strange for me because I don't like it at all. But maybe, maybe some of you do. Maybe you do like that sort of thing. But it, it kind of, it, it's this restlessness, this physical, it becomes a physical thing because your mind is so restless. See, my real issue, my very real, true, logical issue and as I hate something, I hate, and you know what? hate is a strong word I know, but I do really hate it. It's returning things. There's something about it. I know it's weird. It's just strange. I understand. But I hate returning things. I hate going back to the store, wasting my time, good, figuring things out. I'm like, I don't know what they're going to do. They're going to say, hey, you know what? You were dumb enough to buy that thing, so we're not going to give you your money back or something. I don't know what, I'm, what it is, but I just hate returning things. It could be the fast food restaurant. I'm like, oh, I gotta, like, they got my order wrong. I have to go back and do this again or, or whatever it is. I just don't like it. I just don't like that I, that, it, that I can't control the outcome of things sometimes. And I'm not still, I'm not at peace. I don't know if you've ever felt this way about some things, that you can't control the outcome and you wish you could. And then it takes a long time to leave your system. I don't know if you felt that, but I get grumpy when it's just like, and you're like, yeah, you're on to the next thing, but you just feel this restlessness and you just, you just want to like, oh, I wish they would just go away. And maybe you, you feel like you know you need to do something and you don't want to do it. Or, or maybe you're restless because you know you need to slow down. You know that your schedule is way too busy and that the pace that you're running at is not even humanly possible. But somehow you're in it and you're in this just going and going and going and going. Coming off of this uh, message series called Hear and Obey, we've, uh, we've, been, we've decided to extend it because there's a whole bunch of things that were coming up out of, out of what we were learning and growing in. And, and one of the things I asked Brent, I said, Brent, can I just, just call be, in, be uh, here and be still? You know, this would be great. Kind of continue it on. And last week we talked, uh, heard from David Ash and it was awesome talking about here and live. Um, we wanted to extend this and it, it felt like it wasn't too much, of, uh, too much of a stretch for us to kind of go back and look at this because I think we can't listen unless we're still. We can't actually listen unless we're still. In fact, you know, Brent even said, you know, maybe we should have done this message before we did hear and listen. If you, I don't know if you were there for that. A few weeks back, he did hear and listen and, and it was a great message and I, and I think that um, it's possible this would have run well there. I think too often we, we, we're on a track, and I don't mean running on a track. I mean like Indy 500 on a track, okay? So you can picture this with me. How we run our lives is like we're just burning really fast, okay? So like, and we're going around this track, okay? And it's like God's in the stands, and he's trying to tell us something. He's like, hey, I just want to... And it's, and it's coming back again. And it's, oh yeah, I just want to tell you. And it's like, you just keep on running and running and running and running. And then God is trying to tell you something, but we don't slow down and we don't spend the time allowing God to speak to us. I think too often we find ourselves in that, in that spot where we don't slow down enough to listen. I wonder why we do that. I do that. I, I, don't know, I don't know why I do that. I think I would hear way more from God if I just slowed down. I wonder why we think that sometimes, not all the time, or maybe all the time, but sometimes we, we tend to think, I can, I can live my life separately from Jesus. I can go my own way and then still have a fulfilled life. How do we expect to hear from God if we don't be still? How do we expect to know him in his voice? 
How do we expect to have a relationship with Jesus if we don't spend time with him? How do we expect to hear from God if we're telling him, no, God, I'm too busy for you? What is that saying? Or how do we expect more from God if we cannot give him our minds and our attention? Because it's not just a schedule problem, it's our minds as well. I want to read this passage of scripture to you. It's Psalm 46. It was the inspiration to this uh, message. And I want to read this for you now so we can get some context. So if you want to open a Bible or if you have your Bible app, feel free to run to that at this point. Um, But I'm going to read this for you. It's Psalm 46. And this is going to help us to look at what it means to be still, or at least who we can be still in. So let's, let's read this together. It says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Be still and know that I am God. You see, this God who is the God of the entire universe, like big, big God, is our fortress and our refuge and strength. He makes wars cease, it says. He lifts his voice and the earth melts. It also says at the end, be still and know that I am God. And he is with us. See, this God of Jacob that it talks about in this is is not just saying just some random guy. But this is the God of the Israelites, the God who has existed forever and ever and ever. And this is the God that we can claim as our God. For thousands of years, people have been running to him and to be still and be knowing him. And this is available also for us. I want us to read uh, just a few other verses um, that help paint a picture of this great God. It's in Isaiah 40, 12 to 14. I'm going to go through these quickly. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighed out the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? And who taught him in the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? Verse 25 of chapter 40. To whom will you compare me? Who or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? Who, he who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. This is the great God that we come to. He's big. And we have been created by him. Not just the stars. We have been created by him. We cannot desire a better 
nor can we find a better source of being still in. We too often live our lives like we can handle it. We say, or at least deceive ourselves with thinking, ah, we're self-sufficient. When actually we should be God-sufficient. We should be looking to him. You see, God wants our heart. He calls us to be still and know him. And we need a two-way relationship with him. Often we live our lives as one way, but it really needs to be two-way. And the only access that we have to God is through Jesus Christ, his son. Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30, this, some profound words. It's, pro- it's a promise for those who trust in him that are looking to be still and for peace and for rest. It says this, this is Jesus speaking. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You know, if you haven't been to church before, if you've never heard this passage before, you might be thinking, like, when I was younger, I thought of eggs right away. That's the first thing I thought about. Yolk, like, uh, whites, yolks, I don't know, eggs. But that's not what he's talking about here. I don't want you to misinterpret anything or get, like, I don't know what yolk means. I want to explain this to you. A yoke of oxen is, um, or I mean, Jesus invited us to join with him and together like a yoke of oxen. A yoke in an ancient um, farming practices is a big wooden plank that we put around the necks of some oxen to pull a cart or a plow behind them. See, what Jesus is saying is in this verse that, that um, there's a burden that, that legalistic people or, or religious people may put on you. Or, or some standards that you think that there is, maybe your own standards that you think you have to live up to. But Jesus is saying, no, 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 don't do this. Do what I say. Take my load upon you. Learn from me. Come, be with me. Let me lead you. Because that would ha- that's what happens when you're yoked together with another oxen. One, sometimes one will push forward and one will push through and you'll be just led along. His expectations for us are filled with relationship and grace. Now, people who first heard this were completely baffled by this because all they'd ever seen about religious people that say they follow God is that they have to do something or be something to to get anything, any credit from God, to get anything from God. They have to do it. They have to be it. They have to strive for better. But Jesus is saying something different. Just trust in me. Believe in, 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 in grace and just trust in me and believe in me and follow me. I mean, this load sounds awesome. I don't know about you, but I think that if I'm, I know that I put a lot of expectations on myself. So to imagine to let go of that and to listen to God, I think that's a way better way. Yet too often we find ourselves doing this. We take that, we took our hands on the sides of the, of the yoke and we pull it off for a while. And we say, you know what, God? I'm going to just do my own thing. I don't need you for this part. I think I can handle it. Or to then bring it back on and say, okay, yeah, no, I need you again. And then there's this pulling off and pulling on of the yoke. I don't think that's what Jesus was intending. He's going forward and he wants us to follow with him. We choose restlessness. That's one of our problems. We choose sin. Because sometimes it's sin that's the restlessness, isn't it? Sometimes not. Sometimes it's just circumstances, something happens. But often there's sin that does that. 
We choose to lie. We choose to be unfaithful to God or to others. And we choose this. We choose to create things of greater importance than God in our lives. We choose to lift something up. Maybe it's family. Maybe it's our spouse. Maybe it's our kids. Maybe it's our job. There's things that we put in the way of God. We choose to do things that we think won't hurt anyone, anyone because no one will ever know. And we choose that. And then there's this restlessness of knowing that it's wrong to be thinking that way. That we shouldn't be running to sin and we shouldn't be running to things that maybe no one will ever know. Because God does know. But there's hope. We can still choose Jesus. We can still choose to be still. It's something we can do. We can choose to turn from the things that we know are wrong or choose better choices. God does not want us to choose the things that hurt us. He doesn't. He doesn't want us to choose those things. It says in Romans 6.23 that the, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. We have to remember that sin leads to death, and if we keep choosing that, that's what the outcome will be. We'll just live a life of death instead of a life of life. We can experience true relief because that's what that word means in that, in that passage of come and follow me, said, and I will give you rest. It can actually be swapped out for relief. It doesn't mean that you're not going to share, have a burden, but there's in the burden and it's going to be actually more of a relief than the, the other things that are put on us. And true stillness is, is to start and build a relationship with Jesus and to be yoked with him. So why is being still only possible with Jesus? Why do I say that? Because I really do believe it. I believe that Jesus, who is God, chose out of love for us to pay the price for all of our wrongdoings, our sin. Jesus died on a Roman cross and predicted his, he would rise three days later, later, and he did. He paid for our restlessness, he paid our incompleteness, so that we can know God, and to do this, we must be still. Some of you here may identify with what I'm about to say and do. We think we, we know what's best for our lives, don't we? And maybe you've heard the idea before, but I thought it'd be better if we can actually do it in church. I am actually going to light this. Often we think of our lives like we're a candle. We think, this is our life. We burn the candle at both ends. Adding, 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 adding. We keep adding and adding to our lives. We think, this is good. We should add it. We keep going. But what happens is, if we don't let our minds rest, if we don't replenish our souls, it's fine for a time. And you might think and fool yourself that it's okay. But after a while, eventually the flames will meet. The wick will be gone. And the wax is all spent. Our life is done. And we think that we can do it all on our own. But I would, would like us to consider this, that we should be thinking of ourselves as an oil lamp. That when the wick burns on an oil lamp, I, I'm sure some of you know this very well. Some of you may not. But there's an oil, there's an oil tank in the bottom. And this wick... It never, it never burns up as long as there's oil in there. 
what happens is the wick sucks the oil up to where the flame is and it keeps burning. It keeps burning and keeps burning. It just needs the oil to keep it, keep it going. The oil-saturated wick burns the oil first before it actually burns the wick. We need to keep our lives filled like the oil tank. We need times in our lives to be still. Otherwise, what happens is, this is empty. And there's no more oil. We can fill this lamp when we spend time with God, when we are yoked with Jesus, and we, when we are still before God, where we focus on him and his word, to pray, to remember who he is, to run to him in our needs, yeah, but also in our celebrations and for anything, that relationship with him is important. How you are yoked in a relationship with Jesus will tell you how much oil you plan to have in your tank. You're not going to have oil in your tank if you lift that yoke from around your neck and say, I'm going to go my own way. If you want to run on vapor <laughs> and live a restless life, then run your life unyoked with Jesus. Maybe you, some of you feel like saying to me, yeah, but you know what? I spend time with God. I don't understand this. In fact, I may even agree, disagree with you, Wes, because, because I spend time with God and I read my Bible and yet still I feel like my oil tank is, is just being burnt up. I'm going to share something that happened to me a little while ago. This actually happened to me. I was in a prayer time with somebody here at the church and we're praying and, and he's just tell me about your life and what's going on. And, you know, I was just feeling really depleted. I haven't having a great time in devotions, but I was feeling depleted. And I said, I was like, yeah, you know what? I just need to be still and just more peace in my life. And this guy was like, okay, yeah, I'll pray for that. So he, he said, let's pray. And then we, we prayed. And, and in that, he just prayed for peace that I would understand God and I would know his presence and I would be still. You know, I was like, wow, this is really affecting me. This is really good. Okay, I got to go to this next meeting. It's a lunch meeting. Um, I got to go help this guy. He wanted to talk through his life and talk through some stuff. So, so I got to go and do that. So off I go. I run down the stairs. I run out to his vehicle. And as I'm, as I'm sharing this, uh, I, he's like, hey, so how's it going? You know, just telling me what, what's going on. And I was like, yeah, you know what? This is my life right now. You know, like I've got lots going on. I... Um, I, I lost in the church that I'm doing. I'm doing my master's on the side. I've got four kids. You know, I'm a busy guy. You know, there's nothing to say. Like, it's not a, you know, a badge to say, yeah, I've achieved greatness because that's not what it's about. But I feel like, I feel like I've just been doing this a lot. And he actually stopped me and said, you know what? You need to know. You need to hear this. I don't know where this is in the Bible, but somewhere in the Bible, it says, be still and know. And I think you need to hear that. I think God wants you to hear that today. I couldn't believe that. I thought like, I thought I got the message the first time, but apparently I didn't. And I, I thought, okay, so yeah, maybe I actually have to listen and really think through this because maybe God is saying, don't feel guilty about slowing down right now because I was slowing down. But maybe I needed to, to slow down so much that I actually spent time just reflecting and being with God and being still before him. See, I've been spending my time doing my devotions. I mean, I could tell you the minutes that I put in every day. I spend time, I spend time praying every day. I spend time um, listening to God and, and talking to God. And I, I was losing my oil faster than I was gaining it. And I think it's because my, I needed to balance my life more. I needed to balance it. For me, it was a busy schedule. Sometimes it's a restlessness. But I need to balance my life 
we need to recognize that when we're busy, we are running at a fast pace, either physically or mentally, and we are also burning that oil reserve as well. So I'm going to go through the, these three questions to try to help you to, to discern, you know, is this me? Is this something that I'm struggling with? Maybe you've already decided that before I say that. Um, but maybe you're not there yet. And so I want to give you an opportunity to think through these questions. It's a spiritual health check. And you know what? It's just something I made up. So don't be like, oh, yes, where's that book that you found that on? Or Google it because it's not there. Actually, if it is, it's all me. So it's not that person's thing. I did not look at it and find it somewhere. But I was thinking, this is what I was thinking for the people of Southridge. Is there something, some questions that we can, we can do through this? So number one is, do I feel depleted? Does my, do I feel like my soul is depleted? Has it been too long since I've spent significant time with Jesus? Some indicators could be that your Bible is so dusty since it's been on your shelf for too long without opening it. <laughs> that would be an indicator. <laughs> it's like, Big cloud of dust. Or maybe for some of you, you're like, you downloaded the Bible app and that was the last thing you thought of with the Bible and it's still saying to rate my Bible because it's your first time opening the, uh, the Bible app. And, and you're trying to feel like, oh yeah, I actually have to read this thing. Or maybe you don't remember the last person you prayed for. Is that possible? Or you can't spend enough chunk of time in your day to set aside time for replenishment with God. You just don't have the time. Maybe there's a chunk of time you need. Maybe you feel depleted because you know the next step for you, you have to take a next step. Like, it's been going along, trucking along for maybe years. And you know I need to do something more for Jesus. And so you kind of come to this point where you're thinking, okay, well, maybe it's baptism. Maybe it's joining a community group. Maybe it's serving in our church or in our community. I know that John Gruchowski is always looking for SR Kids volunteers. So there's always a room for you to serve with kids. Maybe that's your next step. And that will fill your soul and help you to not feel depleted. Uh, number two, do I have too many distractions in my life? This is my favorite one. I know there's three, but this is one of them. Indicators. You can't go an hour without looking at your phone. That was actually a day, but then I actually edited it and changed it because I'm pretty sure it's faster than a day. You can't do it an hour without looking at your phone. Or how about you feel uncomfortable when you walk into a silent room? There's always something going on. There's always chatter. There's always music. But you feel restless because that, of that. Maybe there's too many distractions in your life. Maybe you can't remember the last time you spent alone with God without family or friends. I don't know if you remember one of my previous messages. I talked about how I have my Bible time and then my kids are like crawling all over me while I'm trying to like hold open the pages and trying to pray and they're asking me questions. And yeah, sometimes it's tough to spend time alone with God. And number three, do I have a healthy view of God? Hmm. Do I have a healthy view of God? Indicators. When feeling tired, the first thing you do to replenish yourself is not God. Okay? Maybe you don't have a proper view of God. Or the only time you come to God is a needs list. That could be a different way of looking at your view of God, that you only come after him, come to him for needs to be met. Or worse, you find yourself in sinful places in your life and you didn't know how you got there. Or really, you actually do know how you got there. You do know why you're there because you're seeking the sin out instead of God. Just remember that he is there active and he is not a small God. He is there and active and he's not a small God. He's a great big God. He, remember what we read? 
put the stars in place and knows them by name. And he also calls us to be still and know him. Now, for some of you, you feel convicted right now and you think, oh, you know, like you're feeling guilty because you're like, I really should be doing my Bible times more often. Or, or you feel like um, you should be spending more quiet times or, or you should be seeking the Lord every day. Remember this. God is not counting your minutes. He's not counting your minutes. He's not saying three and a half minutes today, Wes. It should be four. He's not saying that. He's more concerned about your heart than he is about the minutes you spend with him. He really is. But maybe it's time to unplug or leave your phone, (laughs) unplug from other things, or just leave your phone in the other room for the evening. (gasps) Could you imagine that? Leaving your phone in the other room, (laughs) listening for it to see if it buzzes. (laughs) Maybe that's an issue for you. So maybe you feel your priorities are all wrong. You're like, oh, how am I going to do this? All my priorities are all wrong. I got to like, maybe you need to wipe your calendar clean. I'm not telling you that's what God wants for you, but maybe God is wanting you to just wipe it clean. Start first with a regular time with God and then start putting everything around it. To say, okay, I've got this rock in the middle and what else is there that I need to put into my life? What are the other important things I need to do? I mean, we're not required to do a Bible reading every day. No one's ever said, you have to read your Bible every day. Well, maybe someone has, but it's not like it says in the Bible, read your Bible every day, but we sure could use it, couldn't we? And maybe not just once a day, but several times a day, because we are people that just don't seem to obey God very well. All of us do that, whether you know Jesus or not. What's life all about? Is anybody going to care when we die that we've met our quota of things in our life, we say, oh, I've, I've, I've filled my life so full. It's good. I checked mark all my experiences. I've done all my things and forgotten to live our lives for Jesus at the same time. Like, are we machines to just do tasks or are we actually built for a relationship with God and with others? Is that really, it should be what we're about, not just tasks. I don't know, maybe that's just me because I know that I struggle with tasks and making sure I check mark things. Is how I'm living right now what life is all about? Does my life reflect that? Maybe that's something you can ask yourself. Is it about getting to know Jesus who I'm spending eternity with? Is it about sharing the love of Christ with others? Because really, we have our opportunity now. We're, when, we, when there's heaven time, when we're in heaven, it's not going to be like, oh yeah, but just wait, God, I'm going to go back down to earth so I can make sure someone knows about you. This is our time now to share Christ with others. Not just Christ, the gospel, but his love, his light, and to be the light of Christ in this world right now. Maybe it's to see less of myself exalted and more of Christ exalted. I know that some of you may find this strange because... Um, when we're in a large body of people, sometimes you get people that, are, that live for Jesus and know Jesus and have a relationship with him. And then some people are in our midst that don't. And uh, I think I'll, I just want to mention that because I think it's important to understand that if you are here and you don't know Jesus, you can, you can find common ground with me to say, okay, yeah, that's good. We can take a step back and we can pause and we can reflect on our lives. It doesn't you know, like maybe you're not there to spend time with Jesus, but maybe this is good to kind of take a step back. 
But I want to invite you to consider that relationship with Jesus because I believe it's the best way. If you don't know how to do that, like, come and talk to me. I said in the, in, in the previous service, like, I will stop everything if someone just said, you know what, I want to live for Jesus and I want to do this for the first time right now. And I would just get out and off the stage, I'd call the band up here and, and, just, and just pray with you. And that would be, that's my heart of this because it's really important. But if you are a little shy or if you've got some questions first, and that's totally legitimate, that's totally, totally true for you, um, just fill out the connect card. It says uh, just more about a relationship with Jesus. Just check that off and hand that in um, to the welcome desk and someone this week will come and talk to you or email you or phone you. But I think everybody here needs to know this, whether you know Jesus or not, that there's only completeness, completeness in Jesus. You may think that you can live your life apart from Jesus and even at times live your life apart from Jesus or try to. But it's like, our lives are a puzzle. And I had this happen to me at Christmas time this year. We, our lives are like a puzzle and there's like one piece missing. That's how we were born. And I, we had that. We were looking for the piece. We could not find it. It was very frustrating. It's an incomplete picture. But you think our lives are like that picture. And unless we have that last piece, we will not see the whole picture. It's not possible. There's something missing. And that's what our lives are like without Jesus. We need Jesus to complete that picture. Now, I want to get practical before we end here. And, and um, if you want to set out a routine and set aside some time, I encourage you to think about these four things I found in a book by Bill Hull on discipleship. And um, it was really cool. It was really just well done. And, and you want to maybe want to, to take note of these. Uh, number one is that you dwell in God's presence. Now, for some of you, you were like, I don't know how to dwell in God's presence. How do you do that? Um, how I do that is I pray. I spend time just praying, talking to God, reading my Bible, asking God to speak to me through the Bible. I also think about where God is working. That's something I personally do. I think about, think about where God's working and say, say, hey God, like, I notice you working. This is really cool. And spending time in God's presence that way, I really think that God shows up in those moments um, and makes, it, makes his presence aware because he's always there. Number two, listen to God's voice. So again, praying, reading the Bible, even like listening to what other people are saying to you, like what I did when the guy said, hey, by the way, be still and know God. I think you need to hear that. God speaks through people. And if you don't believe me, go back and listen to Brent's sermon on Hear and Listen. That's, it's on the website. It's great. It'll make a lot more sense to you if you weren't there, what we're talking about today. And maybe you want to hear about what it means to listen, listen to God. Number three is focus on his beauty. So you can be looking at the nature, this beautiful, crusty old brown snow. No, um, the, the mountains and the, and, the, uh, and the trees and the ocean and all these things. And you just think, wow, like God has created some, some amazing things. Maybe it's music or art that you just want to like look at and say, wow, God, how did you inspire that person to do that? Or maybe it's your circumstances. I know I was talking to somebody recently and he's like, oh yeah, it's just coincidence. I was like, actually, you know, have you ever thought about this, that actually it was a God instance? It was actually God was putting that in your life? He's like, whoa. It's like mind blown, you know? Like, it was, it was an awesome feeling to hear that from him and to see like, yeah, you know what? Maybe it was not a coincidence like I thought it was. Maybe God was doing something there. And number four, to taste his goodness. And really just to experience God in those previous three things. To taste how good he is. To enjoy his presence. 
And don't forget to do this with others. I know um, you'll hear this a lot from me because um, it's part of my job, but it's also part of my passion is to get involved with other people, to get involved in a, in a smaller community. We are a large church. We've got lots of different people in here and it's hard to get to know everyone. In fact, some of you that are new, you laugh at me because I'm asking your name every single week because I'm trying to remember names and trying to get to know you and trying to understand who you are, where you come from, how much you matter. And it's important to me because I want you to feel community. And if you don't have a smaller community in our church, um, we have community groups that are based on that to grow with. And I think to understand how to be still and to keep, have someone keep you accountable, it's really important to get involved in a community. Um, either it's the, the shop or it's a community group or it's women's morning out or if it's a coffee group or, or some sort of variation of all those things to have a regular time where you're meeting with other people. Because doing all of this that we're talking about today Experiencing God through being still and know is part of our vision. That, we are, that Southridge will turn outward and live God's purpose so that our community will experience God. That's what it's all about. This is what we're doing and this is what we're encouraging um, us all to be thinking about. So I'm going to call the band up at this time. And uh, three weeks ago, Brent had us stay silent in prayer for a couple minutes. And today, I want to do it slightly different. We're going to pause in silence, but... I'm going to pray this scripture over you. It's going to be Psalm 46, so you've already heard it. But I really want to pray the scripture over you, and the music's going to be playing. And after it's done, I just want to just let us reflect on this word. Allow God to speak to you. And maybe you can consider this, and maybe it's the first time you've thought of it, to, to just to pray and to say, okay, God, Wes is speaking right now. He's talking about Psalm 46. Uh, I've never done this before, but I want you to speak to me through these words. Maybe God's going to share a message with you um, that you really need to hear, something in the words that's really going to impact you. I believe that the Bible is living and active and, and it will speak to you. So we're gonna ha- I'm going to read this and if we can just bow our heads and close our eyes and, and pray, I'm going to pray over this, um, this scripture and allow God to speak to you. And we're going to leave some, some time where the band's going to just play some reflective music. And just talk to God. Ask him, what is it that I need to hear today? And be ready to hear and obey him. Psalm 46. Let's pray together. God is our refuge and strength. An ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar, and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says... Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. 
I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us, Southridge. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Thank you.